hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark <laughs> Internationally Hershon. recognized. Hey! I'm Mark, don't yeah. talk to play the music. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, really we'll turn that up for my fans? All right, yeah, we'll play a little while over there, guys. Wow, I never knew it was that good. Okay, you got all the instruments yourself? Yes, welcome to Suckatash, (laughs) episode 10, and uh, the voice you're hearing both in music and in speech is Mr. Scott Carvey. It's in the studio, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Scott Carvey, live for the first time in Studio But I sound just like Dana, so you won't know when I'm talking Mm -hmm. or when Dana's talking. I'll talk like this tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And Dana Carvey is with us as well. We have the the Carvey boys are both here together, uh, Mm -hmm. which uh, delighted to have you both here at the same time. And Scott, Mm -hmm. your first visit, welcome. Uh, Although you're here with us every episode. I know it's so great to be here, where it, where my magic happens. That's right. Uh, is it mm-hmm. as as glorious as you imagine? Yeah, from your, it is. Uh, it the people. It's all about the people. It is. You know, I hate people, but some people I like. You I like. <laughs> some people yeah. I like. Well, well, didn't you write a book? When, I did. Yes, well, yes. We I were hate. just talking about that. We were on the my drive favorite over. book. I he hate. doesn't like I, to toot his own horn, but Mark Hershon wrote an international bestseller called "I Hate People." That's right. That's which right. Uh, describe that a little bit. See how I switched it on you. Know? I <laughs> do. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly I'm being interviewed. Interesting. Yeah. I hate a, people was a book. It's about. a it's a business book mm-hmm. uh, about how to deal with difficult people in the workplace. Uh, people that get in your face. People that are idiots. Mm-hmm morons, uh, different ways to kind of work your way around them so you don't have to deal with them every day of your How life. How would you dissect the difference between a, just a pure idiot and a moron? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, I would say an, an idiot doesn't realize that he is an idiot. A right. moron knows that he's stupid. Oh, okay. Wow, that's good. Right it, off the so cuff. So a moron right? smarter than an idiot. I didn't know that. Only by mm. only by yeah. that amount of awareness. Okay, just by that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's dumber and, but more aware. And what about a buffoon? What is? Oh, that's a good question. A buffoon. I think a I think a buffoon falls in between those two. Okay. okay. Yeah. Occasionally aware of their own <laughs> stupidity and yet mm-hmm. not really caring a that buffoon. they are stupid. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, you wrote the book, so that's why we need to ask. I, mean, <laughs> I understand. We, we need I, to know. But yeah. you're asking me questions know. that never came to light from my publisher, so uh, I yeah. guess that makes him the buffoon. Yeah. But but Scott, you said yeah. you you hate people is one of the yes, uh, I do. That was what I was trying to get to. Is that Scott kind of common link. used to say I hate people, and then Mark Kershaw, who I know out here in California, wrote a book called I Hate People. So I thought yeah. you guys should talk, and, and we now, did. And now Scott does the they're music. They're disappointing. For the show. Um, Why do you hate people? Because they're they're very disappointing. They cut me <laughs> off, and they're stupid. Other than that, they're cool. <laughs> yeah, I I try to be more politically correct when I was you know doing press for the book by saying it's not people that I hate; it's their behavior. Right. But you can't you can't true. separate people from their behavior, but it just made it seem nicer. It does seem nicer. It's not right. true at all, but it, it does seem nicer. Yeah. 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 Um, the, yeah, the number one thing that bugs me that I can think of is the phrase self-congratulatory hypocrisy. That, <laughs> <laughs> that really makes me mad. Someone who doesn't give money to the homeless but just says, I really, we got to help them. <laughs> Have you done anything? A dollar? No, but, you know. Yeah, that's Or a- someone in a Prius with a 20,000 square foot home. 
you know, kind of with a snooty attitude. So self-congratulatory hypocrisy, ladies and gentlemen, is what is the most annoying thing in the world. Huh. Huh. So, uh, what, Scott, what brings you out to the West Coast? I, I would like to think it's because you got an opportunity to be here on Succotash, but I, I know there's uh, other, other well, things at work. I've been coming out here once a year for uh, a long time. Mm -hmm. and uh, now, now, you guys actually grew up out here on the, on the peninsula, right? Yes. In San mm -hmm. Carlos. Yeah, this is home. I'm coming home mm -hmm. for me, yeah. Yeah, uh, but you now live in the east on the east coast. Yes, and uh, so you guys see each other once a year, twice a year. Uh, once a year here, twice, and then if I'm on Dana's the east coast, touring, yeah. you know, going to New York City. And do you still have a cap that says San Francisco 49ers? Yes, yeah. I do. Okay. When he moved to Connecticut, he became obsessed with San Francisco because it was representing home. Oh, okay. So I got a I got a crown, and I was getting this gold crown, and my dentist knew I was a 49er fan. So I go in there to get the crown, and he shows it to me, and he had etched in red SF on my crown. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a real fan. It's in my mouth. Wow. The Niners are in my mouth. Right, which I thought <laughs> a great quote, which I don't want to quote, but this is Scott's quote. The 49ers represent all that is good and right in the world. And years ago, I was doing a... Years ago, ladies and gentlemen, I was doing a some kind of Super Bowl stand-up thing, and I ran into the head coach of the 49ers, and I told him Scott's yeah, that's quote. Right. You, you, your team represents <laughs> all that is good <laughs> and right in yeah. the world. And he goes, well, you fellas ought to come see a game. <laughs> okay. Well, not lately, maybe. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm trying to get my they teeth represent formation. represent all that's inept and all that's crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Joey at the helm. No Joey. Yeah. Well, Scott, well, again, I don't want to read, but Scott was such a fan. Well, I was hoarse from screaming before the game started. Oh, that's okay. one thing I remember. Screaming. The game hadn't even started. <gasps> right. <laughs> but third and long is a really big play for you non-football fans. And you had the well, I the had uh, I had instead of uh, from the Exorcist instead of water, I would take my beer and go and sprinkle it on the TV set. Uh, the, the, power, body the, the body of the power of Joey, the body of Joey, the body of Joey to get the third down. Wow, the did, power yeah. of Joey compels you. The, the power, power of Joey and you compels had a little, you. But did it work every time? Yeah, you had a stuff. Joe, Joe Montana doll. I still also do, yeah. Throw. The power and I of Joey throw compels him you. Right at Why does they snap the ball? Yeah. Scott would throw it at the TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Serious. And on and on and on. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and then all you, fun. didn't you have a giant helmet that if the 49ers scored, you'd you know, have to drink. Everyone had to drink from yeah. it. Yeah. It's, I call it caring about something that doesn't matter at all. It, it, it's Sunday. It doesn't matter at all if your team wins, right? But you sure. pretend it does matter. And mm -hmm. uh, we had a, I think uh, Rob's ex-wife teased us once when the Dallas Rob beat us. is your ex, your brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law. Yeah. And uh, his ex-wife was teasing us that Dallas was beating us. And I, I think we said, just don't ever, um, <laughs> don't ever suggest this doesn't mean a lot to it. I mean, just just anger. You know? wow. But anyway, and back to I hate people. Yeah, back to I hate people. <laughs> now, uh, but you guys were in, into track, and you just you just had a unofficial race yesterday. Mm -hmm. Oh in, yeah, here in Marin. Yep. Well, they have a thing that uh, DNF in, in international track and field means did not finish. So we do a match race yesterday. We both had DNF. Oh, we I neither, see. We walked in. Okay. So that's, you know, when you're over 35, you know, 45, 55, whatever you want to call it, you know, it gets tough. So we're going to re, redo it on Friday probably and see. Right. So you're, you're know, resting right. up now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll do a redo. Yeah, you know, we had a few problems, right. but uh, yeah, some some technical errors. What what got you into music originally? Um, the Beatles and a neighborhood kid had a, a this old acoustic with like one string on it, literally. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I would just hit one string. I brought it home, you know. 
the guitar, uh, and then the Beatles, and then it was, you know. Scott was two years older than me, and then we had two other brothers older, but we, we were kind of into the Beach Boys for like six months. We got, you know, <laughs> yeah. in your room, Surfer Girl. Yep. And then we were at the sweet spot of our, our age like to 12, see the Beatles 13, on Ed 11. Sullivan. Just when was, you start to like music. I was like then, nine. <laughs> but when the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan, like everybody else who ever saw it, you know, it was just it just completely changed your world, basically. Yeah. And Scott had a one-string guitar. It's not a joke. And I had, we had a clothes hamper that we'd written in crayon, the surfers on it, and we kind of erased that. And I would kick that as my kick drum. Okay. Yep. And I used a Hardy Boys book. To hit my stare, and he would play Louie Louie, probably dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, maybe. Yeah. And you had two butter knives on <laughs> yeah. the Hardy Boys yeah. book. Well, two butter knives on the Hardy Boys book, yeah. kicking a clothes hammer. <laughs> and we rocked. I'll bet. But yeah. can I tell you a really quick interjecting funny story here? Sure. It sounds kind of show busy. So, ladies, I'm at the Four Seasons in New York City. I was doing a guest spot on SNL. So I'm in the bar. The Grateful Dead come over. Not, Jerry's not there at the time. Bob Weir and... Uh, Mickey Hart, the drummer, so kind of hanging out with them, and and it comes out that Mickey Hart owned a uh, the music store on Laurel Avenue oh, in the '60s. Wow! Oh, wow. So okay. I said, "Wow, I shoplifted a lot of drumsticks <laughs> from True. you." And it, yeah, so I gave him a ten spot, and he looked at it and okay, was wow, kind of mad. He no, took it. He accepted. But isn't that weird? I went there to get a guitar string, and I didn't know how you spelled spelled this word, or how you said this word, G A U G E. Mm-hmm. The gauge. Yeah. So I said, I need 10 gauge and <laughs> that store. Because I didn't, yeah, and he, you know, he figured it out. But Yeah. Well, we, we became juvenile delinquents in the mid-60s. We, we got this propensity for shoplifting. So one day we went out, we, we had our older brother Brad, and we stole all this stuff. Okay, so we're like fourth, sixth, seventh grade. Yep. And um, Criminal mastermind. We, we added it up. If you will. We added up the total, and we thought it was about $14.92. So from then on, uh, you're sailing the blue meant you were shoplifting. Oh. So our brother Brad, the scientist Brad, who Garth was based on, hey, I was in a record store with him once, and he had an album down the front of his pants with a jacket. And he said to me, I could take it. I could take it now. <laughs> and then he just took it back out and put it back. But he was just wanted to know he could take I it. I just got to tell this. So he says, I'm in, sailing in, the blue. So go ahead. In the shopping... Uh, we uh, went to the mall to, to shoplift, and then we realized we don't have any locks for our bikes. We went in and shoplifted locks, and then went in and locked our bikes so we could go in and shoplift without worrying about being shoplifted. Yeah. Well, you kind of, for you podcast listeners, Mark Kershaw's kind of a science, knows a lot about every little thing in the world, basically. So I could see that yeah, yeah. Brad, our brother Brad was like that. He figured out, you know, you'd send away Battle Creek, Michigan on a cereal box. Oh, from Kellogg, sure. Yeah. yeah, so he didn't have the money, so he just ripped a little hole in the envelope. So it looked like the quarter fell out. It looked like the quarter out. fell out. <laughs> You'd get it. When so we went to it. Montana, we were at Montana. That's <laughs> 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 a genius. He was at a little, we were at a little five and dime. We buy our candy and our sodas yeah. and our creepy magazines, which was big. He, he's another, Mark Hirschhound's a sci-fi fantasy sure, fanatic. And Brad was just whittling a slug for like the first week. What you doing? Whittling a slug. <laughs> so he had one quarter on top. We were poor. He put the slug on the bottom so it looked like 50 cents. Wow. And I remember watching kind of nervous. Guy went, all right. And then he got the soda. Wow. Yeah. So you, you and he may wow. have been brothers, wow. and brothers from a different this mother. MacGyver, you know, early start. Brad was like MacGyver. What, what Brad did was he, um, 
he and our brother Mark, they're just crazy. We call them the Downstairs Brothers. There are five of us. <laughs> crazy family. Downstairs Brothers, weird stuff happened down there. We don't know what happened. And Brad, there was this accordion-type linoleum oh, like door. Like a separator door? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they had a little room down there. And Brad created a three little switches with three lights. He had to do them a certain sequence to open it. This is in the 60s, his own computer. <laughs> yeah. He had on, went on to invent the video toaster for you video freaks. And my brother Mark, who we called the Hulk in the human garbage disposal, because he would like literally in our family, five kids, if there was a box of corn pops or sugar spanks, he, he would eat the whole box. He didn't get literally, to Literally, yeah. But he couldn't, he forgot the sequence, so he ripped the door <laughs> off. Like, <laughs> broke Foiled out Brad's plans. So what is your, uh, and what do you do? Do you play professionally uh, or are you bands just... Bands are great, but it's like being married to three different women it's so hard the egos and if you have one boss and everyone else is just subservient it's much easier but a real band where hey we i think we should go this way it's it's really tough so i've been in bands and then in 1975 i got my first four track reel to reel wait a minute i can do all the parts and don't have to worry about <laughs> i get to do the bass oh, yeah. part cool that yeah, so to have that kind of creative control yeah. is intoxicating. Yeah. and um, But still playing live, there's nothing like it. I miss that. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah, I just like all kinds of music, you know. I believe that uh, Joe Polino, our uh, producer and engineer, has a, a request for shorter songs so we can get the whole thing in because he's often forced to uh, do some editing. Could I ask him one thing? Sure, go ahead. Where's the coffee? <laughs> Where's the coffee? <laughs> you well, Scott, I heard that song. <laughs> we have to find Scott's song uh, from uh, a Jerky Boss. Well, I and, oh. and the bridge abutment. Yeah, I, need I don't know a, what happened to it. I, I must have it. I need a bridge abutment. Right. For the boss to drive into yeah, I want him to him. drive oh, yeah. his new Corvette into a bridge abutment. The start of I Hate People. Oh, yeah, we'll need that for yeah. a But a bridge people. abutment is such Damn, a specific I... reference. Yes. And you would know what a bridge abutment is. Mm -hmm. So now, Dana, you mm -hmm. do, uh, you've done music mm -hmm. in your act. Uh, mm -hmm. Chopping Broccoli. Broccoli is a, a oftentimes a requested favorite by the audience. Uh, um, so how did you guys, once you got past the butter knife Hardy Boy, <laughs> Hardy Boy stage, uh, did you guys ever... Did you continue playing with real uh, well, instruments together? Well, I got together? a Slingerland, a really simple drum set. Well, but you um, got the big bash first. Yeah, snare, snare drum, but my cousin was, broke it. Broke he it was in like half, a weightlifter. Yeah. That was in sixth grade. By high school, I was able to get a, a small drum set. And then so we would jam a lot, you know, one guitar and one drum set. <laughs> okay. Later on, yeah. you know, um, it, it got more sophisticated. Then we started recording some of Dana's material which well, is one, great once you can overdub music it's pretty profound you know when you're like add a vocal joe is that true did you have a 2340 or a 3340 both i have the 2340 right over here oh you do I still have wow it. <laughs> wow <laughs> it changed my life yeah changed my life yeah oh yeah it was so okay. much so so much fun so much yeah. fun and um and the downstairs brothers didn't play anything no. no, not with whatever <laughs> no. chemicals no. seep through that, that, zero, that basement area. Zero, zero ability. No, Downstairs Brothers, Brothers are special. Okay. They're just different. Down they're there. just different. Let's, let's leave it at that because we don't want any lawsuits or any kind of... Uh, no, they're basically, um, you know, Brad was a scientist and Mark was... Um, uh, uh, an, excent an eccentric artist. Yeah, Graphic yeah. Graphic artist. A yeah. painter. Painter. And Brad was a, um, a scientist guy. He's but, a scientist, you know, yeah. yeah. 
when I was in, I was in a band for like four years, and the drummer was a Zappa fanatic, and it just, I thought it was pretty cool, but it was, it was silly. I thought, it, <laughs> and um, fast forward ten years, I'm doing silly songs like, and people started saying, "You sound like Zappa." The things <laughs> you do, like you know, Bridget Butman or. Yeah. Um, you know, um, a coffee? song about my mm -hmm. wife's ass, you know, yeah. a love song. Which we played mm -hmm. here. We played that on the show. And then I got the realized I'm a kindred the spirit. End, yeah, yeah Zapp and me and Zappa. I did There you go. You know, love songs are universal. Right? <laughs> really. Yeah. Business end. It, Business it, end. It, Isn't it, it just it, make you want to cry? It's just pointy in my own life. <laughs> 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 Remember back because you started doing stand up when you were like 19, but when did you start incorporating 20, 20, 20, 20 you, a little before 21? When did you start doing music in your act? Were you playing the guitar? Well, you know, when I started, I, I there were no comedy clubs, so you say started now. If you start, you know, you move into right. all these gigs, but it was like a year between gigs basically. But in 77, yeah, Mark McCollum was around, remember sure. him? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a guitar. I wonder when I first wasn't in the first stand up comedy competition. Somewhere around 79 or 80, when I had to, I started headlining, it's like a long set, and I could feel the audience fading away. Oh, okay. But when I brought the guitar out, at least something new, different. Yeah. You know? And so that's yeah. why I did it, but it was fun. Well, you, you know? didn't really, you didn't do song parodies so much, right? You Mostly just chopping broccoli. I, for a while, Scott was accompanying me on certain gigs with the Broccoli Band. He had friends oh, who right. played Remember different broccoli instruments. Band? Sure. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, were at Radio fun. City Music Hall here in oh, San wow. Francisco. Yeah, yeah. With the broccoli band. So I do an hour of stand up and then bring out the broccoli band, you know? 
Just, just sort of a, a little riff you like sing about members of the audience. Yeah, and... just fun. Throw chords together and riff. It just wakes people up, you know. I'd be happy to record music uh, just by my. That would be like me in retirement and be completely thrilled to record music and overdub and layer and stuff. Um, now it's you, it, you take a PhD to do it. I mean, you right. could infinite because of garage band and stuff. But, you know, basically, uh, to be a little philosophical, um, <laughs> You know, catchphrases are musical and rhythm. They're not, they're, they're nonsensical. Why would they be funny? Not gonna do it. You know, there's no joke there. And write, trying to write catchy songs is the same thing. And I wrote a song, and Paul Wright helped me finish it, um, called The World's Catchiest Song. Sure. Which um, I did on The Tonight Show in like 98, I think, That's just right. acoustically. And then when I ran into Jack Black at the uh, Video Music Awards, he, he was very generous about that. It was kind of cool because he oh, wrote okay. the world. This is the world's greatest song. And he wanted to do Chop and Broccoli as an op- opera. Like Scott and I, that's an homage to the Beatles. It's uh, trying to rip off the Beatles and just the fun of a song uh, taunting you as it tortures and you with actually, its catchiness. Actually, it's the ringtone I have for you when you call me. It actually, yeah. I actually have... That song on wow. my phone. Yeah. So. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up for the words catchy song. This is the world's catchiest, catchiest song. You're gonna be singing it. Show sure. 
Leave it. Did we ever get to the best part? The whole thing's the best part, you idiot. Sorry. No. Very catchy. Scott has a thousand catchy songs. You probably recorded 200, 300 and songs. Oh, God. 400, 1,000. Well, I'm not saying really, they're any good. <laughs> that's the interesting mm -hmm. thing about the music is because you told me this years ago, Dan, that one of the ways that you kind of get your ear for an impression is you, you hear it tonally. You don't really, it's not so much trying to imitate the voice as you hear it almost on a musical level at some point. Well, then you want to exaggerate. If you're a brilliant impressionist like Daryl Hammond, you don't have to do what I did because sometimes I couldn't get it, so I would just reinvent it and okay. exaggerate it because right. I, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, there's a certain gift to make it so accurate. Sure. You know, the fun of it is is to extrapolate it, abstract it, and then have people believe that that's really what the person said. Like this is show busy, but Regis Philman's book publisher for his autobiography said that we we want to call it um, "I'm Out of Control." But then Regis had to tell him, I never said about a control. That was Dan McDonald said that. He said that. I he never said, said it. it. But everyone believes he everyone said it. Everyone believes I said it, but I never said it. You understand where I'm going. You understand? That's like, I, uh, this is an apocryphal story about our uh, our friend Kevin Pollack. And maybe it was true. Great, great sure. impressionist. Yeah. yeah. And one of his uh, well-known impressions was is William Shatner. And there was a story yeah. that William Shatner was trying to get his chops back. And he actually wanted to hang out with Kevin so he could kind of get his own caricature back in line. It makes story. sense. What Kevin did with that impression is transcendent. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best. Because he did a physical thing, like his elbow is dislocated. And you wouldn't have thought of that. It's just from watching. takes it to another level. Yeah. And his Christopher Walken on his album, where he, um, Christopher Walken's um, afraid of uh, marsupials. Don't like <laughs> I'm paraphrasing Kevin Pollock. Well, we Don't will, like marsupials. We'll, we'll play, I'll find that album and play a clip. <laughs> That's yeah. too... They dot. Uh, but now my favorite, of course, is Christopher Walken. I, uh, yes. I had fun with him a couple of weeks ago. Of course, Halloween. I don't dress up for the parties. It's really to scare the kids who come to the door to get the candy. So this year they got Christopher Walken. Hi! Trick or train? That's a damn good question. Trick, treat, quite the conundrum. Having said that, my young costumed friends, as Faye would have it, I too have a question. Which one of you little kids can guess what I've buried under my house? Hey, kids! He's just, he's just so perfectly odd to me, you know? Like you try to have a conversation with him, it seems like all of his thoughts are completely disconnected, you know? Hey, Chris, how's it going? I haven't seen you. Well, Frankenstein never scared me. <laughs> really? Marsupials do. Because they're fast. And they dart. That's crazy. I recently met uh, Christopher Walken, very strange, coming out of a party in Los Angeles and uh, there at the end of the driveway, standing alone, looking a little lost, was Christopher Walken and I said, uh, Chris, is everything okay? Stranded! I've been searching for an hour for the bastards that brought me. It's clear to me now, they're gone! So I... 
I offered him a ride and he accepted, so we're uh, going to my car. And I remember that I had a break in recently, so I had a new alarm installed. It came with a button you push and it starts the car before you get in. So as we were approaching the car, I thought, this could be fun. <laughs> so we're just a few feet away from the car and I start the car and he goes, wow! Your car is alive. Chase me. Churchlight is a character you had before you before you went into SNL, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then certainly helped make that character famous. Is that a character that's difficult for you to slip into, or is it just like no. second nature? No, no, that that one's second nature because of the. I think that uh, if I was psychoanalyze myself, being a passive aggressive personality, mm. but I'm aware of it, so ninety percent is saying out loud because you know I couldn't express anger because right. I, you know. I'd see a baseball bat coming in my head, so that's a tendency to be, but you wanted to express it, so you did it. So Church Lady is just, you know, uh, why? It's kind of hacky. It's kind of burlesque. It's sort of stupid, but anyone who's a cocky idiot who thinks they're getting over on someone, Hans and Franz, same thing. Right. Well, we like ourselves, don't we? It's so stupid, but that's an easy one to slip into. The only problem with it is they wanted me to do Lyle Bullock. Feminine heterosexual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I just kept going into the church it's too, lady. Because it's too close. So to do that voice, I had to go sort of low just to get out of the lady. But that's an easy one. But, yeah. um, is the church lady easy partially because it's an original character? You're not really doing an impression? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. It's just an instant attitude. I tell people who like it. I just go, we. We like ourselves. And then you're in. We don't quite know. What now, we're do doing. most of your impressions have? Because uh, I know, like you know, uh, Rick Overton, who's been on the show, he's Rick got Overton. phrases he'll use, like when he's trying to get into Sean Connery and stuff. Do yeah. you have key phrases, like if you're doing George Bush Senior, that you? Yeah, got... those are easy. I'm just always trying to. You know, I'm trying to learn Ron Paul right now, so I don't have a phrase. Uh, I yet. can do Sean Connery because I have the phrase. Sean Connery. Okay. Yeah. Drop your ponders. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's perfect. Drop your ponders. Drop your <laughs> we, we have this other affection. There's all kinds of stuff. I'll tell you just in, in order, but one was John Lennon in the, in the uh, 70s. We I literally had T-shirts made saying, what, is, yeah. what has it got to do, do with, with John, John Lennon? Lennon? So, in other words, don't, we were so don't talk about anything unless it's about John Lennon. Yeah, and also Robert Shaw's performance in Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the bookend would be Al Pacino and Scarface, which everyone loves now, but the comedians yes. owned it in 83. I mean, That's I right. had a 20 minute bit on that, you know. Just the love of Sean Connery and the clarity of um, Cage go in the water, shark in the water. <laughs> you know, we just love the mathematical, arithmetic correctness of that. And I at one point did a bit, you know, intern in the White House. <laughs> Bill Clinton in, in the, the White House. House. You know, it's just, I, I just want to bring that back because there's something yeah. just so great about that clarity, you know. Yeah, the clarity. So, anyway, just the love of some of those pop culture icons. Or even Dreyfus, who was looking at oh, the boat that was overloaded. Yeah. You're all going to die. You're all going to die. You know, just, you're all going to die. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> With, it's not yeah. even though there's no. You know, he's sure they're all going to die. Yeah, rhythm and inexplicability trumps uh, technique. Or I think if I've had any problem with, with journalists who critique comedy, they're, they're infuriated by the laughs I'm getting. And I've had that my whole... Because they don't see where the laugh point is. I, had it, I, I didn't even know it was part of my world. I was in the improv in 1980. I was doing the show with Mickey Rooney and Nathan Lane in New York. And 
you know, I was doing really well. And a guy came up to some old comedian goes, I think you're great. I mean, they hate you. But, <laughs> you know, I said, I said the kid's, the kid's killing. So <laughs> I had no idea. I'm up there making faces, going, you know, whatever, and just killing. And all these guys are going up with, you know, New York angst jokes, yeah. hot jokes and puns and, you know. To me, it's all the amount of questions you would ask. That's the funnier it is, you know. What do you mean? Um, well, we love Monty Python. I'm just talking about the tent poles of our childhood. We are the knights who say neat. Yes. Uh, that would be, what are they guarding? Why do they Why do they? We are the knights who say neat. We'll let you pass if you build us a shrubbery. shrubbery. Who thought of that? Why a shrubbery? Yeah. Why are the knights who say neat? So what are they going to do with the shrubbery afterwards? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who got the shrubbery? <laughs> do they tend to how, it? How do they tell if it's a nice one? So the <laughs> amount of questions something has, the funnier it is. Yeah. Because I saw a, um, a special, they analyzed comedy, Ricky Gervais, Seinfeld, Louis C.K., and Chris Rock. And Louis C.K. brought up this bit that just stuck in his head. And it was just a song parody guy sitting on the dock of the bay. And he said, sitting on a cock because I'm gay. And it just stuck with him as the funniest thing ever. And I thought, yes, that qualifies. Why is he singing that song? Why does he have to explain to us? First, he's in a chair. And he's, well, anyway, so there's like five questions to that bit. Mm -hmm. um, so do you guys, uh, although you don't get a chance to really collaborate actively, do you ever um, help each other out? I mean, in terms of, because uh, I know, uh, Dana, you like to, you know, you you talk on the phone a lot with, with your brothers, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Scott included. And I know mm -hmm. you uh, one of your sort of techniques for trying out material is just to bounce stuff off people one-on-one. -on -one. So mm -hmm. do, does Scott give well, you Well, I feedback? get a lot of stuff from Scott. Okay. In, in the movie Master of Skies, <laughs> 40 million domestic, um, <laughs> a funny little kids movie. But Scott had this phrase about telling people at work or someone to shut your mouth. Instead of saying shut up, say, this is what you're doing. I'm making a hand puppet. This is what I want you to do, finger close, you know, yes. hand close. Any questions? So I use that as uh, Terry Swall, the British character. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Any questions? And that and I can do that at shows and stuff, and people know it. So that was all yeah, ripped off. I've ripped off people. a lot. Of, That's a little bit. So. There's been other, all my, uh, the two specials I've done, there's been Scott lines in them that I just take bald face. But at least I'm giving him credit now. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I write all for a British running magazine, and I just. Called Running Times. Running Times. Mm -hmm. and is I it online? People call them, and I wrote, mm -hmm. I is stole something from Dana. I said, thank you. What I was the it. one you stole, though? Um, it's a thin I'm I have an article about uh, runners are kind of thin and maybe should try to be thin. And <laughs> I used Dana's line. I, I watched this world-class marathon, and I noticed the marathoners' thighs did not rub together and create small forest fires with the friction. <laughs> I noticed that. Right. That was your line. It was another big part of our childhood was running track and, and running cross-country. That was a big part of our... Right. Scott and I, um, just real quickly, we moved to L.A. I had a deal down there, and he just wanted to go down. He, he was doing music, and we lived in a, a, a kind of a townhome or house. Yeah. We didn't really know where we were, but we were, we were in West Hollywood, um, which is kind of like the Castro District. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we didn't know. Sure. And we were, uh, you know, 6% body fat. We'd go out in little pastel shorts with no shirt <laughs> in the early evening and run around. And people are following us. <laughs> Pull over. No, but uh, we just didn't know. And we in the garage, we built, Scott had it, was it an eight track, four track, eight track? That was a four track. We had our recording studio in there. And that's where Bobby Slayton, the famous brilliant sure. comedian, came over. 
I wasn't there, but he and Scott recorded, I'd kill my mother for a line of cocaine, <laughs> which maybe yeah. we can get. I gave Bobby that okay. copy. Maybe oh. get that. I'd kill my mother for, was Scott doing the, I did. Bobby the played music. the drums. He, yeah. he played the drums and yeah. uh, it came out good. It was a it lot was of energy. very catchy. I gave yeah. it to him. I got a copy for a line of cocaine. Slayton can really sing. I take a sing. gun, I blow out her brain. Yeah. <laughs> As technology and whatnot progresses, do you find that... Uh, technique for refining your material changes, different ways to record yourself, different ways to kind of... Oh, sure. Yeah, a little digital recorder. You go for a hike, weighs an ounce, and you're just out there way out on these trails, and you can practice impressions. Because you can't practice impressions in front of anyone. Right. Because they're just okay. horrible at first. Hey, I'm Ron Paul. No, that's not <laughs> No, <it>. you're not. <laughs> I'm Ron Paul. No, you're no, not either. still not. <laughs> yeah. So I got to get way out in the forest. Hey, I'm Ron Paul. And yes, you are. One time I'll be practicing an impression. I'll go around a corner and see hikers. So I have to pretend that I'm kind of singing to myself. I'm Ron Paul. And they see me because I'm so Otherwise they think I'm nuts. But I'll do that. With the preponderance of mm -hmm. video recording devices and people's telephones and whatnot, are you discovering at all that uh, your appearances are beginning to pop up on things like oh, YouTube yeah. and things oh, like sure. that? Oh, sure. Everything you do is up in the cloud. I did a corporate date at a restaurant in Carmel, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was and then it's on YouTube and looked pretty good. Yeah. You know, it was so. one of those sort of uh, country yeah. club guys have been baking in the sun all day long yeah, and you yeah, thought it was going to be horrible yeah. and they turned out to they be a really the greatest crowd ever could have recorded <laughs> a special you yeah. never know um, yeah I have a woman a Russian woman who cuts my hair and she's uh, she's pretty wise but she's she was just saying it's the way it all should be just is and I said but you know the Democrats hate the Republican Republic. yes but it's normal human stuff you know everybody <laughs> hates you know See, again, she just was totally I, again, never, I hate people. It's just, it ticket. all comes back. My wife has uh, been nice enough to take some of my songs and put them on YouTube, which, are they going to be there? How long are they going to be there? Is they will be forever. There forever. Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah, YouTube shuts its doors. But YouTube could collapse, right? And then they won't no, be on? Think, yeah, YouTube don't it's go down for nobody. It's a weird idea. They'll be there forever. <laughs> and is, mm -hmm. is there some, you know, group of factories somewhere leaching all those videos onto some other site we don't even know about? Yes. Are we all inside someone oh, other's whoa. YouTube? Someone else's what brain. if we're part of a YouTube download? Right now. What if it's clean? happening right now? Well, Scott has a song for you kids out there, I Reside Inside, which is on YouTube. Oh, yeah, YouTube. I've seen that it's on great, YouTube. Yeah. yeah, it's great. With Rob Hazard, his brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. That's a very catchy song. What happened when, you know... I, my feet are like size eight and a half, and I put them up on the table one summer. And my friend Peter, his his feet are size twelve and a half, so his <laughs> foot's there, and my foot. And I look, what? Why? That's not my foot. I was giving you were his looking foot. at your feet though. Yeah, I was looking, but that yeah. First, I was looking at my feet. Yeah, yeah, right. Later on. Well, that's not that's not my foot. I was given this foot. Yeah. Whatever you your it's physicality, not, yeah, you were given it. Foot. You didn't choose it. Right. Yeah. So these are not my feet. They aren't. I was, I was given, given these feet. I reside inside. I reside inside. <laughs> so you guys should pull this off the web. Look at these hands. They found a little hands. These are, these not, are not my, my hands. hands. <laughs> I was given these, these hands. hands. It's just catchy. It's catchy. Every Tuesday night for the past 12 or 13 years, for the most part, I've been getting together with a group of people who call ourselves, these are not my hands. Oh. And they're not here tonight because you're here tonight. That's How weird. weird really? that? That's weird. These are not my hands? I thought I... Well, 
<laughs> what? Something I, I crazy. Wow. wow. I got the studio's been shut down, right. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> my brother. We interrupt this message, and the Mark Hershon <laughs> podcast has been taken over. He broke his hand. There's, These there's are not my hands. Yes, his hand motif. Wow. <laughs> that, well, this is our group. That's, That's hilarious. hilarious. That is awesome. Yeah, like that you, Scott, it sounds well, like your song tapped into the zeitgeist somehow. Wow, I've got an audience. <laughs> I reside inside. <laughs> On YouTube. I've got four people. Everywhere. <laughs> who understand me. <laughs> wow. That's... Finally. Finally. No, I thought I'd have fun here. I thought I might have a few laughs, but I didn't know I'd get chills. Interesting. Look at my feet. My silly little feet. But these feet are not my feet. I was given these feet. Look at my hands, my funny little hands. These hands are not my hands. I was given these Now, Scott, has adva- have advances in technology changed the way you record oh, your music? Dana was the first one to get the digital uh, recorder. It really? was an uh, eight-track mm. rolling, mm. and he kept telling me, "I got this machine. I'm still. I got this. You know, the tapes going around and around. Right. Yeah, I remember I got that. This yeah, machine yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, mm-hmm. um, I came out one summer, and Rob, my mm-hmm. brother-in-law, the drummer, and uh, writer we just went nuts we were up all night literally couldn't believe it perfect sound and you can overdub so and fast, over and over and fast, so fast yeah. and uh, we stayed up all night and we forgot the one thing you do to, to save the recording and we turned it off it was all lost oh it was like my 60 god. hours oh. of recording oh my god <laughs> woke up in the morning oh two, man we, we had two hours sleep and we had oh. we had to catch a plane and oh. had no music the white album was basically lost ladies <laughs> oh. and gentlemen uh, no it was probably crap there was probably <laughs> some gems in there so yeah digital yeah now the next thing is computers it's everything's on a computer the problem is mm-hmm. my computer's up stairs and my recording studio is downstairs mm-hmm. so I, i'm still i'm a wired. dinosaur using the digital roland 
I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> um, you know, we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of uh, comedy geeks and nerds that listen to this show. People are kind of you know deeply mm-hmm. into various scenes, mm-hmm. both comedically and sort of musical comedy. Um, for people that mm-hmm. are sort of toying with this notion, maybe they have their own podcast, maybe they're trying to learn how to perform. It's been a while since you guys started out, but if you were starting out now, what sort of avenues do you think you'd kind of pursue to? make your dreams come true, whatever those might happen to be. Well, I just think that bands now just have, uh, they can kind of create their career from their website. They might sell 100,000 CDs for their website, then they tour. So I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. Maybe the Beatles never would have broke out. They just hmm. would have been kind of a, a web band with a following. I don't know. Um, Put yourself out there. Just get out there. Meet people. Just go every, go open mic. Just... <laughs> Yeah, people, whenever someone comes up to me and says, how do I get started, then I, I know that they'll never get started. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And once they say that, how do I get started, I know they'll never start. <laughs> so I always say the same thing. Be on stage. These are wannabe stand-ups. Be on stage so much that l- literally being off stage is strange to you and yeah. terrifying. Just get on stage. But what I don't have, get on stage. Get on stage. But I can't think, get, get on, on stage. stage. <laughs> well, what if I bomb, get on stage. Get on stage, get on stage, get on stage. I mean, Rob Williams... Um, our, our, our God, the Godfather Bay Area comedy, basically. He compressed probably, from what I can gather, four years. He probably got 10 years of stage time in about four years. Just being on as Just often as Just on an hour here, I'll go there, more there. Driving you know. to the next place, on again. And yeah, on again, bomb, bomb again, bomb. Write songs. If you're a musician, write songs, record them, put them out there, put them out there, put them out there. Just, just throw it out, especially when you're young and have that testosterone-driven 20s and, uh, energy. Yeah, I love Rom, but... He would go from club to club, and the B.O., I mean, you know, I don't, there was B.O. There was B.O. It was big. Wow, the uns. Well, Robin was a very hard working. Well, Robin was hairy. Yes. He was a hardworking comic. Right. Nothing against him. Love him. But I'm saying he he had B.O. Well, he would say in Robin, if he was here, he'd think that was hilarious. But that was probably during (laughs) his um, days of substances that might not quite have been legal. You know. Yes. Yes. Maybe something that yeah. also. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know. Neil and I did these characters, which we didn't quite. We were too young on Saturday Night Live to know how to work them, but still a great characters. Two losers drinking beer in a basement, and their catch for what they would do was talk about what they're going to do one day. I'm gonna I'm gonna build a nice deck off this place. I'm gonna get the wood and get. The, I'm gonna run and I'm and then we catch ourselves in the middle and just go. Wow, who am I kidding? There's another thing I'm never gonna do. <laughs> Which I still love that, you know. But uh, the two Sammies. The two Sammies. Patterned after me and Bob Shaw. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think so. You said it was another thing I'm never gonna do. But yeah, there's, you couldn't say it enough. Just um, two things. One is start at the top itis, which I think is a virus right now with Reality all the bling of the media. You know, I'll do that for a week and then I'll be famous. You know, or I'll, I'll get on a T, I'll get an agent and get on a TV show. No sense of like, I'll try to see how good I can do this. So that's, right. you know, a, a friend of mine's son wanted to, uh, is into film, you know. And he's going to try to make a film and this and that. And I said, well, you got to suck. You, you got to make some terrible movies now. You got to just make some shit. Really? Yeah. Because no one can start at the top. So you better make some crap. And especially with <laughs> reality TV. With reality TV, you're, these nobodies, are, in quotes, are famous. Yeah. Kardashians well, can, are doing 80, can be famous. 80 million. Anyone can be yeah, any... famous for being famous if you want to expose your life. Anyway, it's, it's a brave yeah. new world. Who can even comprehend it? All I know is it's extenuating, which is one of the things we're working on as far as stand-up was, uh, 
you know, kind of, it's almost like a sketch thing. Shows of the future. You know, like, what's next? <laughs> we had the hanging judge. <laughs> uh, you know, offense, uh, Your Honor, I didn't pay my parking ticket. Well, then you will surely be hanged from the neck until you, you are, are dead. dead. What? It was just two parking goes, right, tickets. Right, press a button, maybe, yeah. and then he just... It was two parking tickets. I'm just the plaintiff, and I'm the hanging judge. <laughs> I will hang and then you. the ratings go skyrocket. Yeah. And the other one, because they have one, um, I didn't know I was pregnant. I didn't know I have a. I had a toddler. <laughs> yeah, I would... This little man was following me around all the time. He looked kind of funny. I didn't know. He had a head was kind of big. I didn't know what it was. He's a dwarf or me or something. And I looked back. And I said, why are you following me, little man? And the little man says, mama, mama. And I said, Lord, I didn't know I had a toddler. <laughs> but I know he's mine because he looks just like my daddy. <laughs> so, tune in next week. Tune in next week. I didn't know I had a toddler in the hanging chair. I didn't know I had a toddler. Todd or Todd. Yeah, he didn't he didn't pay his rent and so I'm gonna hang you both. Well you can't do that, yes I can. Because I'm the hanging judge. Why can't you do it? I'm the hanging judge. All new on channel six million four hundred and thirty two. Where it's going. That's where it's going. Yeah, where is it going? Rollerball, death, yes. Someone with a thousand channels is just livid, can't find anything. Well, I that's two thousand. Look at podcasting. I mean, there's podcasts yeah. for almost anything you you could be into, and those are easy to produce. And there are literally thousands and thousands of them. So as mm-hmm. t- as the cost for mm-hmm. producing a TV show goes yeah. down and down and down, and you can watch it. I watch shows now on Hulu that I don't think have ever been on a regular television. At least I never saw them. Uh, but they have like thirteen shows from one season. That was all that was made, and somehow they got on Hulu, mm-hmm. so I can watch thirteen of them online, yeah. even if I like and, it. And, and it's over. A party. Someone got mad at me because I'd never seen. Which I, I love, Danny McBride. They were like, literally, you haven't seen Eastbound Down? Oh my God! No. You know. So I come back. <laughs> you, you didn't see Nurse Jackie. Don't tell me you haven't seen your Jackie. It's like, come okay, on. I've seen it. I've seen it. Who can watch this much television? You know. You know. Anyway. We had a choice between Bonanza and Ed Sullivan, something like that. Yeah, or? and you'd watch it with your whole family because yeah. there was not. You couldn't change the channel. It was like, well, I guess majority well, and rules. And you have to get up. Which yes, is impossible. So. Yeah, yeah. There's no remote. <laughs> We're old enough that someone would be up on the roof pointing the thing. <laughs> Good. The antenna. Yeah. 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 yeah and then you're Good. up for that up there back. for the rest of the show. For you kids out there. <laughs> oh, he fell off the roof. Well, somebody else, get up there. Get up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the Carvies had so many That's kids. Right. Get up there. We're and all make right. another kid. We got another channel coming yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to put someone up there. Fresh recruits. Yeah. Neighborhood kids. Well, if, if there is such a thing as a renaissance or the concept of renaissance in the, you know, 1500s in Italy, you know, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci were competitors yeah. block away. How you doing? So the 60s uh, had to have been a renaissance. It was just this, all this pressure built up yeah. in the civil rights movement, the women's movement. The ro- and Explosion. Yeah. And what's kind of satisfying being a right, right in the center of baby boomers, my son was at MA in the music program, and they all worship Led Zeppelin, all of them. Okay. They worship Led Zeppelin. And when you listen to Led Zeppelin, it's still postmodern, you know? Just like if you hear I'm a walrus by Lennon, you know, I wanted sure. to put something out there, you know. A hundred years from now, and he did, you know, still just right on the edge. And Zeppelin, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you guys should play a Zeppelin. <laughs> but it's satisfying to know that that we thought, well, God, is this the real shit? Is this really special? The Beatles, was, Zeppelin, yeah. Pink Floyd. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, yeah, it was. And yeah. there's still great stuff now. I try to pick up new music. I got Adelaide the other day. 
Because I saw she beat Lady Gaga, or as Churchill would say, Lady Slut Slut. Sorry. <laughs> Boom! For you comedy. And um, it's really good. So I try to keep finding, uh, over the years with Scott, I try to find new music. When was you 2 These guys are pretty good. Pride in the Name of Never, Then Sting. Yeah. And then Dave Matthews. You turned And Dave Never Matthews. Never heard of him. Who's it? What? Yeah. Dana, just to talk a, a little bit about live performance, because now you're sort of beholden to this this generation of short attention span where they can mm -hmm. turn something off, turn something else on. They've got it on their phone. They've got it on their Xbox, mm -hmm. whatever. Do you notice a difference in today's audience in terms of their being able to pay attention mm -hmm. to what you're doing? I don't doing? know. When I look out, I see a forest of white hair. No, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't really, <laughs> just a field of silver. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good question. I don't really know. I'm always trying to do the same thing. It's just want to get the inexplicable abstractness as fast and as quickly as I can. Not a good joke writer. Don't like jokes. Love love silly, hopefully smart silly abstraction. The whole audience is in on the joke. Yeah. They're inside it. Yeah, there is no joke. and There is no yeah. joke. We're all in this environment. Let's because fun, the, yeah. the way I do it is when I was on tour with Dennis Miller, Kevin Nealon, myself, we had these three different styles. But when, after the show, we're in the limo giggling, and we all did the same style. Oh, funny. Which was abstract silliness. Dennis Miller did, you know, many of the club foot boy. He did impressions. <laughs> he didn't tell any of his jokes or references. Kneeling, too, doing voices and silliness. <laughs> <laughs> we're all doing. And in high school, everyone's smoking a joint in the Volkswagen Bug, and no one's doing two nuns walking to a bar. You're doing a catchphrase and repeating it. Over and over or and an over observation over of something that happens. Yeah, some yeah. observing thing and some yeah. repeated rhythm. And then so, it gets more and more ornate. Yeah, yeah. more ornate, yeah. more abstract. So if someone walked in and saw five teenagers on the carpet scuttling with laughter, they wouldn't know. <laughs> so I've, that's always been my goal. As I've moved, gotten more famous in bigger rooms, it's not conducive. Yeah. You know, for me, a perfect room probably for that kind of tiny style, 100, 200. The big room, I can't really do it. So the two specials I did sucked. You know, I was terrible and they're terrible because they didn't. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're okay, but the, but they're not. They're not what I'm trying to do on my best night. Right. I mean, Rob Schneider, who I started with, he used to open for me. Um, you know, he had just observed that, which mm. which I appreciated. That you know, just a small room. Like getting inside. And... A small room would would apply itself more to my style. That's all. It's yeah. like Scott, his style of guitar playing, uh, Les Paul and a Marshall. You know. He's not, you know, that big fat sound holding quality notes. Right. Rather than, you know, kind of a... He can do that too, but that's your... I like to Go to your strength. Emotion. Yeah, big, what's your strength? Yeah, yeah I'll hold this notes note. Notes that count. Because Scott loved um, another guy. He dragged us all to all these concerts, all in the 70s. We saw Allman Brothers. He brought us Jeff Beck. And one of Albert Scott's... King. Was um, Albert King, was I going to say. Albert King was a guy who would just hold a note for like 40 seconds. I mean, just acid stuff yeah again inexplicability how long we hold it why is he holding it what does it mean that it's still being held you know it's not showing off right it just he doesn't want to go anyplace else pure emotion <laughs> right you know hey guys will durst here with a few words of caution if you plan on going anywhere near a republican candidate these days you might want to carry an umbrella because pledges are raining down around them like frogs after a giant explosion in a swamp they're making pledges on everything, from gay marriage to abortion to Shreya law. Wouldn't be surprised to hear that the American Association of Apple Growers demands nominees make a public promise to avoid cherry and meringue pies while running for president. Blueberry is so anti-American. 
Rick Perry signed a pledge opposing gay marriage, which counteracts a previous pledge he made to leave the question up to the states. So now, according to Rick Perry, homophobia trumps states' rights. Of course, Rick Perry also pledged not to run for president, so he seems to have a rather fluid attitude as far as these pledges go. But does that stop conservative groups from demanding that candidates sign these intractable oaths? No. So far this year, they're waving around the Susan B. Anthony pledge, promising to appoint anti-abortion cabinet officers, the cut cap and balance pledge, which cuts caps and balances the budget while giving rich people more money, the marriage vow, which is different but similar to the anti-gay marriage pledge, in which candidates agree to oppose same-sex marriage and reject Sharia law and pledge personal fidelity to their spouse. Didn't they do that when they got married? How about the Paris Hilton pledge to wear underwear at all times? The marriage vow is the one that said that black children born into slavery were more likely to be raised by a two-parent family than a child today, which some people pointed out kind of endorsed slavery. A little bit. Michelle Bachman said she didn't mean to sign it and hadn't read it. Get that? Signed it, but didn't read it. You know what we need? We need candidates to sign a pledge, not to sign any pledges they haven't read. Most of them seem to be illiterate, so that could cut down on the pledging considerably. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. So, uh, Scott, is there some uh, mm-hmm. some musical directions you're looking to explore, things you're curious about, or have you done kind of everything you sort of It's funny. Well, my latest of. thing is I'm pushing the music away, and in, in, uh, in two years I'm going to be in a new age group for running. I'll okay. be 60. So mm-hmm. running is, it's always been the other His love. other mistress. Yeah. And now it's kind of pulling at me because I'm getting older and, uh, again, this new age group. So I'm probably, I'm going to have my Les Paul right there to play. But as far as writing songs, I'm trying not to. But I think what happens with you instinctually, if you're not actively trying to do it, is eventually the pressure will build up. And then there's kind of wanting to write a song and then, and then have you to have write a song. To. Yeah, and that, the tease yeah. is, you, well, maybe this will be the best song I ever wrote. And the same thing with comedy. Anything in the arts, it's like trying to catch the wind. You, you can't ever figure it out. That's why it's a lifetime of wonderfulness, because you can't solve it. You'll never write your ultimate thing, but it's always like the tease. Paul McCartney's still talk, best, trying to write yeah. his best song. Yeah. No, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with something, and that, wow, that's pretty cool. And then the only way I can make it go away is I have to record it and finish it. Then mm-hmm. I can put it away. But if I don't record it, I, I keep playing it and playing it and playing it. All right, good. No, well, I do winter's it all. coming, so in winter in New England, I'll be down in a basement. <laughs> you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. So I'll probably be down there going. So that's when we'll be able to get some more music that's when for Succotash. I will okay, sometimes good. just make up a song at least three, four times a week and don't record it. But lately, because the digital, I'll put it on my computer. I've got tons of them. Okay. Because I'll have a, a feeling of something or something bugging me, and I'll make up a song about it. And just for myself, no intent to make money or share it with anybody. Well, just like you're meditation. always welcome to play it uh, through the auspices of Succotash. Something to think well, about. Isn't that special? <laughs> you have Holy shabobies. Well, gentlemen, thank Holy you so much. Oh, thank you for joining us on this uh, special uh, episode 10 of Succotash. Again, uh, my guests mm-hmm. have been. Uh, Scott Carvey. Let yeah, me turn, just really turn. Up. Is there? Okay. There's the Webbies. Yeah, turn his music way up. But like when we 
get the award for the best podcast of the year? I mean, is yes. that a certain event, or will we get trophies? We'll, let you, wear? we'll let you know. We'll come pick you up in the limo on the way to the, we, uh, the awards. A, yeah, there, yeah. Is there, there a potty award? The potty? Yeah, the there's, potty there's mouth, a potty mouth there's award? Potties, yeah, potty there's, mouth. there's potties, there's <laughs> webbies, there's... Okay. I'm sure we're webbies. Ele- I'm sure we're eligible. <laughs> there is the webbies. The sure potties and the webbies. Yes, there is the webby award. The, the potty casties? Yes. yes is I'm, there a potty award? There is. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure so we're eligible we, for something. We can dress casual. Oh, please. Oh, good. Uh, so anyway, thanks for taking time out. Sure. And, and I'm sure our listeners uh, will uh, enjoy this visit. And uh, we mm-hmm. look forward to hearing more from, from both of you. Thank you. Thank we'll you. we'll we'll be back. This is your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, thanking you for joining us for episode 10 of Succotash, starring Mark Hershon and featuring Scott and Dana Carvey. Till next time, remember, pass that Succotash.